We've talked a lot about interviewing and getting hired in tech from the engineering perspective, but today we're going to build on that. We have a special guest, Hillary Turnipseed, the founder of Hill Street Strategies, and we're going to talk about hiring from the recruiting perspective. Let's get started. Welcome to the Ladybug Podcast. I'm Kelly. I'm Allie. And I'm Emma, and we're debugging the tech industry. Are you a developer looking for your next challenge? Meet Shopify. They're on a mission to make commerce better for everyone, and they do things a bit differently. They don't tell you how to solve problems. They give you the tools, trust, and autonomy to build new solutions. They don't want you to work alone. They're structured so you can leverage the diverse perspectives across teams in everything you do. And they don't pretend to have all the answers. They're big enough for you to tackle problems at scale, but small enough for you to discover and solve new problems. If you're a builder at heart who wants to solve highly technical problems, if you want to take all of your life experiences and apply them to a blank canvas, or if you want to access really powerful tools, Shopify is the place for you. Visit shopify.com careers today. Awesome. Well, welcome, Hillary. We're so excited to have you on the show. Um, Thank you for having me. Yeah, so excited. First off, do you want to tell us about yourself and what you're involved in, what you do for work, all that? I've been in the D.C. area in D.C. for about 15 years. And um, my first job out of school was in recruitment. So what I do professionally has always been in and out of the talent acquisition, talent management space, which is just a fancy way of saying I hire people. Yeah. So as my um, as a first job out of school, I realized pretty quickly that this was something that was naturally really exciting for me to do. I think I'm an empathetic person. I like to help, but this was a way to do it, but also be compensated for it and pay off student loans. And so I started off in the sort of staffing agency world, which is really just numbers driven sales, really transactional. And that's just not why I do what I do. I do it for the people. I'm people motivated, not necessarily money motivated. And so I quickly realized I wanted to support one brand in-house and really be a strategic business partner and help a company be successful because people are your most valuable asset. And so uh, throughout the course of my career, I have supported hiring efforts for tech companies. And so sort of sitting at the intersection of tech, media, and education. So working for brands like Discovery Communications or Politico, um, but most recently getting a taste for the startup life, which um, was really interesting going from larger brands to something totally different and being more of a team of one. Um, But it was in that time I really got really hooked into really understanding more of what went into building products and the engineering around it. And I also really wanted to understand why people were having an issue finding women or people of color in their engineering teams. And so even though I've been in DC for a long time, my family actually lives in the Bay Area. And so I would often go home and, you know, talk to my network out there and just see what Silicon Valley was doing. And 
how they were doing it wrong. And I was on just sort of a mission to bring all the cool stuff to DC and sort of get it right, or at least sort of figure it out. And Allie, that's how you and I met. Part of that was me really building more of a connection with the DC tech community um, because I really just wanted to connect the dots and understand why there was this notion of it being a pipeline problem. And then as I was interviewing and as I was proactively reaching out to um, women and people of color and just saying, hey, I have this role, I'd love to talk, I realized um, it was a combination of things. Women, especially um, women of color, um, we do a really good job at um, we do a really good job at getting in our own way and often kind of talking ourselves out of things. And the imposter syndrome is real. Um, and then on the flip side, um, you know, being a team of one really and reporting directly to the C level leadership of this organization and really understanding from a business perspective what needed to happen. Um, I realized it was a combination of us, and I say women, people of color, um, that's how I identify, um, really not even giving ourselves the opportunity to even be considered, but also the recruiting process and the interview process, interviewing process in tech is broken. Most companies, most businesses, most managers have no idea what they're looking for. And no one, at least in my opinion, is ever really fully trained on how to interview. We really just mimic what we've experienced in the past. And so that's where phrases like unconscious bias and maybe if we do blind resumes and all of these experiments to try to really get women to be recognized for their capabilities and not have this narrative be created about our capabilities and our ability to thrive in a startup environment where the hours might be crazy. Um, and so it's not a pipeline problem. It is a people problem. And so um, to go back to what I do now, um, in my time at that startup, I was able to build, in my opinion, one of the most diverse engineering teams in the DC area, or at least in you know that particular industry, um, and decided that if I was able to do this for this business, I wonder what impact I can make in a bigger way. And so 2019, I don't know how it was for you guys, but it was not the best year um, in general. Um, and so I sort of took it upon myself to just sort of take a risk, have that sort of YOLO moment and decide to create sort of an advisory consultancy all around hiring and retaining the best talent, but with an element of diversity and inclusion built into it, but not as this sort of token effort. So I go in and I advise on how to figure out what it is you really want, but also help you define what diversity means for your company. Because it is not a one size fits all. And I view it pretty simply. Um, think about the problem you're solving. Think about the community that your product or service is serving. And then your workforce should mirror that. I love that. 
Like, I yeah. <laughs> need a lesson from you on how to tell my life story because that was amazing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so inspired right now. And you've hit on so many things that I think are such big pain points for so many people in this industry on so many different sides of it, too. For um, women and women of color in tech, how difficult it is to um, get started and feel like you belong in the industry. But then on the other side of it, of like hiring and all the difficulties that come with that as well. Um, so, that was a really great introduction. Yes. I think you answered like all of our questions for you in one, but awesome. we do have a lot of follow-ups too. I love it. Yeah. So so tell us about your company. Like I love a good founder story, naturally. So what is you know, what is your current day-to-day like? What who do you do you work with certain certain industries, certain size companies? Like tell me everything. Yeah, so I made this decision, this leap. I would say it was around beginning of May of last year to decide, you know what, I'm I'm gonna do this. Um, but I also realized I had no idea what I was doing. And over the course of my time working with founders and different leaders in a variety of different organizations, I was always taught that it's lonely at the top. And so I realized if I was gonna do this, I had to do it right. And so I gave myself a good six months, you know, July, well kind of mid-July through before the holidays, really, um, to just try a whole bunch of things to see what it is that I did really spoke to the market. It was the first time that I was the product. So I had no idea what I was really serving, but I knew that I had a bigger purpose. And that was to um, help um, women and people of color get out their own way but also be able to implement that change where it needs to happen. And that's at the top with key decision makers. And so I decided pretty early on, I was not going to be viewed as a staffing agency. I am not transactional. Go call a Robert Half. That is not me. But if you are having trouble finding an engineer or a product manager or salesperson, and you really want to be intentional about making sure that that person is going to add some diversity, however we define it, um, of course, I can absolutely help you strategically place them. But what I'm not going to do is place them in an environment if I don't know if they're going to be set up for success. And so I realized very quickly I needed to have a seat at that table. And that if we were, if I was really going to make a change in this space and really move that needle, I needed buy-in from the top. And so whoever was going to listen, if you really cared about diversity and inclusion, but really at the end of the day, people just want to hire people and know how to keep them. Um, and so I decided I was not an agency. I was not going to be a diversity and inclusion consultant doing a full day of unconscious bias training, no. Um, so I decided that I didn't have to pick just one thing or two things. I wanted to pick things that I just knew in and out that made sense in terms of supporting a company holistically. And so I support efforts on helping you identify what type of talent really works for your culture, the type of culture you really want to have 
um, and how you want to define that. What questions are most important when interviewing so you can probe on those areas? Who should be included? So I really provide frameworks for interviewing processes. And then from there, you can hire the best person, but it's not worth it if you don't have an onboarding process that makes sense. And that is conducive for the individual. And so I help you onboard and provide frameworks around that. Um, And then from there, um, I want to make sure you can keep up. So sometimes um, if you have a retention problem or, you know, we're really starting soup to nuts, I want to really make sure that there is enough there to really set anyone up for success, regardless of how they choose to learn. Um, so I do a ton of training, trainings and workshops on things like inter- inclusive interviewing best practices, how to give feedback, <laughs> just little things like that. Um, and really focusing on the candidate experience too, because it is an incredibly competitive market. And so as an employer, you need to recognize that candidates are interviewing you just as much as you're interviewing them. And so I felt that my unique value proposition was my connections with the DC tech community. My work with Women Who Code as a director, um, Black Code Collective, Tech Rebalance, all these incredible organizations um, or groups, I should say, community groups that even though I wasn't an an engineer, I like to say I can play one on TV, um, (laughs) I realized that I could at least provide some value from a hiring perspective, an HR perspective, and because um, it's not easy. Looking for a new job is a full-time job in and of itself. And frankly, my industry, the recruiting industry, we get a really bad rap and a really bad reputation um, because no one really takes the time to really understand both sides of the fence. And so, you know, you have HR, their allegiance will always be with the company. The founders, their allegiance will always be with the company. But I got in this business to help people um, and uplift voices and give voices to those who have maybe experienced things in the past that they're bringing with them. We bring so much baggage with us with every experience that we don't realize it. And so in interviewing and really having, you know, career coaching calls and realizing how many times women argued with me about being qualified for a role. And I had to remind them that I reached out to them and I wouldn't waste my time if I didn't think they were qualified. And so that was where I wanted to at least use my powers for good in that sense, because I'm a people person. My allegiance is with humanity, really. And so I always just try to find ways to understand human behavior, different types of people. I kind of have to be a chameleon in a lot of ways um, because in my business, I work with so many different types of people. Um, And then, you know, people are using personality assessments these days to understand human behavior. Um, Strengths finders is one of my favorites, but I got to say what most people don't realize is that those answers can actually differ based Mm -hmm. on your state of mind. 
and we're in a pandemic. <laughs> not a right good now. time to be taking any kind of personality quiz. <laughs> no, we are not working no. remotely. We are working remotely in a pandemic. It is really hard, and so leading with an even greater sense of empathy is going to be really important. But um, but in my experience, the best way to really retain talent as well is to really understand what makes each person unique. And sometimes that's through a level of self-awareness, but sometimes you have to do that self-work too. So self-work as well. So I'm actually studying now um, human design charts where it's sort of a combination of astrology. It's not super woo-woo, but it's basically using your (laughs) birth chart, your birth date, time, and location and wherever, you know, Google human design charts. But, um, <laughs> but it's really interesting because it kind of breaks the human or society down to kind of like four different sort of categories, roughly. But it really advises the individual on how they show up, but also how they can be the best versions for themselves. So just a quick example, I'm a manifesting generator which means it's my default to respond, to fix, to solve problems. Um, Projectors, on the other hand, I believe it's projectors. I'm still studying, so (laughs) please just Google it. I might be wrong. Um, Full disclaimer, I'm not certified in this. But projectors, on the other hand, wait for the invitation to be invited to solve the problem. I go for it. I manifest it. I'm like, this is happening because I see the problem and I'm going to fix it. And why would we wait? And da, 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 da. now sometimes I know that I move too fast. So I need to slow it down and that my way of being might not work for someone who wants to take the time to really read everything, absorb it, and then come to the table with an idea. I just decided to pull up a website that does a human design chart. My type is reflector. And you are rare. You were rare. <laughs> oh, I'm rare. Oh, you know, yeah, no. you were rare. I apparently uh, have no inner authority. I have no definition. My not self theme is disappointment. I don't know what to make of this. <laughs> well, when you read it like that, it sounds really. <laughs> <laughs> that will be a separate episode. I will literally Ooh, go through, and I will. An hour. You will be my guinea pigs of human design. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. And, um, <laughs> I promise it doesn't, it's not as bad as you think the way that you just read that. I was quite confused. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's just, it's a, it's a really great way to really make sure that your teams individually are working in their optimal state. Because it's usually miscommunications or just that lack of understanding or slowing down just to understand um, or let people sort of catch up, especially in startups. There's that rush to solve bias. You got to move fast, fail fast, you know, and all of that crazy jabroniness. And it is, for me, and one of the ways that I think I was able to build such a diverse senior level team was because I actually slowed it down and I took the time to rethink how we were doing things. And I was fortunate enough to work with a great female chief technology officer who had all the ideas and then I was able to implement it. And so it was a really good 
team effort. You have to have that sponsorship from the top in order to really implement change. And change is not easy for everyone. So I was met with a lot of groans and sorry, I don't understand. Uh, 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 and, um, but I always said, listen, if I'm wrong, I'll own it, move on. You always want to own your mistakes. It's, you know, one of the things as women, we apologize way too much. Um, but also it's a sign of growth to acknowledge and apologize if you did something actually wrong. So it's that balance. Um, but yeah, I believe uh, I can remember correctly. Um, numbers sometimes are not my friend, but um, the beginning of so it was January 2019, the beginning of the year from hell, um, I was able to, my first seven hires, I believe, in engineering were all female. Wow. That's amazing. Wow. At different yeah. levels, too. Um, and I love challenging hiring managers and founders to this day of, well, obviously, you know, you know, we'd love to have a diverse candidate in this space, but it's just not. I was like, oh, but you just don't know where you're looking. But if I happen to stumble upon one, would you want me to send them to you? Yeah, sure. So mm-hmm. I always like to prove people wrong. But one thing that I, it's part of my rules of engagement and how I operate as a business owner now, because integrity and reputation is really key. This world is small. Um, I'm all about setting realistic expectations. So you will always get the truth from me. Sometimes I've been told I'm too transparent, but I don't like surprises and I don't like to be I don't like surprises and I don't like to sell a dream or oversell and under deliver. I'd rather scare you out of a job than hire you into something and then have you come at me later and be like, I lied to you. That's like my, one of my worst nightmares. Um, and if I do mess up, I'll say, oh, I only had that information. I'm so sorry. I will fix it. I will help you. I, I care a lot. Maybe I care too much, but I never take on anything and say yes to something that I'm not proud, like that I wouldn't be proud to support as a brand, um, but also that I wouldn't be able to deliver on. And usually if it doesn't work, it's because they don't know what they're looking for. So, you know, knock on wood, I can confidently say that I've had a hundred percent placement rate um, as a (laughs) non-agency. That's amazing. Um, because I take the time to listen and understand the business. Um, and sometimes my process and way of doing things is not for everyone. And as a female, as a woman of color business owner, it was really hard to learn how to say no and also realize that rejection is just redirection. Very cool. It sounds like all of our um, listeners should hire you. <laughs> You're doing amazing things. Um, awesome. So for the n- rest of the show, I want to break it into two parts. So the first one is going to be from the hiree perspective. Like, what can people do to set themselves apart in the interview process and also the just search process? How do you even get to the interview in the first place? And then the second part will be from the company perspective. So what can companies do to hire a more diverse workforce? 
So my first question for you is what advice would you give to somebody who's looking to get their first role in tech? Great loaded question. (laughs) Yeah. That's a super Um, loaded question. Yeah. I'm going to answer this from the angle of you are not graduating from a four-year university in computers with a computer science degree. I'm going to answer this from the lens of you're doing a career change. Non-traditional background. Awesome. So I'll start with the advice first because I feel like everyone needs to hear this from time to time. When you apply for a job, when you look for a new job, I mentioned this earlier, it is like a a full-time job in and of itself. You're throwing resumes out there. They're going into a black hole. You don't know who's looking. There's all these weird rounds and you have to do assessments, you know, make sense. And there's no communication in the process. And it's just frustrating. Um, so some stats. Um, most recruiters look at resumes for an average of five to seven seconds. The larger the brand, you have to assume that you are one of 500 resumes. And a recruiter is going to either leverage their applicant tracking system and search keywords that match up to the job description, and then they'll narrow it down from there. Or they'll just look at the first maybe 10 or 20 that look good and then just go from there. It's important for you to know that you're not alone (laughs) and that it's not personal and you need to be forgiving with yourself. Especially right now, the unemployment rate in the U.S. is, I have no words for it. So it's too high. And so everything that you... It's also worth noting that we're recording this episode like in May, early May during the, you know, peak of the pandemic. We've been having these weekly unemployment reports. Um, This episode is going to launch in, in June. So give a time, giving a time frame around that. The long-term impacts of COVID really are everything that you've ever learned about recruiting or cover letters and how to interview best. It's sort of, you got to throw it all out the window right now because we're all just still trying to make it day by day. And companies especially um, are going to lean towards being even more conservative right now in making an investment with anyone that they hire because the cost of a bad hire could equal up to, I think, 80% of a first-year salary. Um, and it really just, I see now more than ever, things are changing. The status quo is no more. People are being comfortable now interviewing and hiring people that they've never met. Or rethinking um remote work in general. So I think that this is going to, this is a great time now um, for non-traditional candidates to really get the upper hand. Um, And so what I look for, and I think what any sort of tech company or startup really that is, you know, that you'd want to work for a brand that's, you know, up and coming, latest technologies, it's exciting, you know, a few things. Um, It's a big pivot. Um, And so you have to recognize that whatever environment you were coming in before, transitioning into the tech space, especially as a minority or as a woman, it is going to be incredibly different um, or maybe the same depending on where you're coming from, but it's highly competitive. Most 
engineering team cultures I've seen and experienced are incredibly toxic. I'm hoping that's getting better. It's incredibly male, white dominated. Um, And the way that you need to think about this is you are the product, you know, essentially. And so you need to have a connection with that organization that you are applying for to leverage the transferable skills that you do have. Let's say you were really mission-driven and you care about um, cancer research because it is really um, hitting home for you. And maybe you worked at a hospital for a period of time. If you have experience that directly connects to the community that that company's product is serving, that automatically makes you a stronger engineer because you're able to view things from a customer perspective. And so being technically capable is just one piece of the interview. And frankly, I hope we eventually do away with the coding challenges or things like that or pay people for their time to do it. Um, But really, most people just need to have a general understanding of the role. But if you have an existing team that is invested in onboarding and giving the tools and resources to support anyone for success, it doesn't matter if you were a four-year college um, graduate and you had zero work experience versus you've been 10 years in the, in the working world and you're making this pivot, that 10-year-plus person is way more valuable because most products are solving a problem that there's a good chance they may have dealt with. And so don't focus too much on what language should I study? What's most popular right now? What are people doing? Don't think about that. Think about the companies that would get you excited. Don't worry about being so flexible about salary that you just want to get a job. You're not desperate. You invested in yourself to make this move. So why should you settle? And so it's competitive. But as I mentioned before, every rejection is a, will lead you to a new direction. And so working on getting, get yourself a mentor in this space. Just slide into someone's DMs respectfully and just ask for advice or LinkedIn or someone in that company that you really admire, you've never met, send them a note. It's all about the approach and going above and beyond because you want to stand out. And people stand out, especially in startups, if founders or the team feel like they're going to be behind the mission. Because if you're just money motivated and you want to get to the next thing, you're a flight risk. And so that can actually work against you. And so how I interview and how I hire It's less about your experience, because I'm assuming if we're talking, I think at least on paper, you are worth talking to. Um, So always make sure you have someone else look at your resume for you. One time I couldn't spell the word the, and I was going crazy. So just second set of eyes. I'll never forget about the time that I applied uh, for a company, for an internship. 
uh, when I was in college. And I didn't realize that my cover letter where I started with to whom it may concern or whatever I said, I accidentally typed TWO. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Guess what? Guess Ooh. what? No one didn't cover letters. anywhere. <laughs> Stop writing cover letters. If exactly. you are technically <laughs> capable, you really want to invest in someone who's coachable, who's going to be open to feedback. I thrive on feedback, but I also work really hard on being self-aware. So for me, this, you could have maybe one year of experience compared to five plus years. But if you did your research, if you went above and beyond, showed yet you care about the mission um, and actually like did your homework, because I will also respect your time too and not put you through the ringer because you also want to make sure, you know, if your interview process is three weeks long, <laughs> tough luck, you got to move fast. But it's also about going with your gut and really figuring yeah. out, you know what, they don't, it's not perfect but it's perfect for us because at the end of the day, no one's going to come in knowing every single thing that you need. It's all about being able to thrive in ambiguity, be flexible. And I always say healthy people ask for what they want and what they need. And so my advice to any career seeker making this shift is to really be forgiving of yourself. Join your local women who code um, group. You know, everyone is in this same boat together. And so, and share war stories. It's hard out there, but you're not alone. Don't take it personally. Be resilient because the interview process is akin to a startup too. You know, it's not for the faint of heart, I like to tell people, and it's not for everyone. And so, be flexible, be patient, be open minded. And go with your gut. Think about, it might not be your forever, your perfect role, but will it get you closer to the next step in your career? Then take it. And um, and so, yeah, so then fake it till you make it. Most women only apply to roles where we meet 90 to 100% of the requirements. Men, I think it's like 10, 20%. I love it. That's, that's crazy. So um, as I like to tell some of my um, clients that I coach um, who might be dealing with imposter syndrome from time to time, um, embrace your inner mediocre white guy and apply for that role. Um, and from the flip side, from a company standpoint, stop coming up with a laundry list of requirements that you know you don't really need. Focus on what you must have versus your nice to haves and recognize that a job description is also your opportunity to tell your story of why people would even want to work for you. It goes both ways. Employer branding is really key. Marketing and recruiting should always go hand in hand. You should be acquiring customers the same way you're acquiring candidates. And so I'm hoping that, you know, this sort of new normal that we're in will really lead to companies really thinking more outside of the box because there's no blueprint from for where we are now. I love that. Also, you made like the perfect transition from going from talking about candidates to talking about companies. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, let's let's actually talk about that. So you focus a lot on on hiring a diverse tech workforce, which is awesome. So what advice would you give to a company who's trying to diverse their uh, their diversify their hiring? Before you do anything, define what diversity means for your organization, however you decide to do it. 
And a lot of times, you know, if it's a larger company too, or it's an HR department and maybe they have an employee resource group or something, you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel here. Just ask your team, ask your employees how they would define your company. They would define your values because they're a part of it. And honestly, you know, they're going to be a huge part of maintaining the company culture and innovating that. So don't speak for or at your employees, especially if you want to create a culture of inclusivity. So before you even think about hiring, you better make sure that you have a culture that is set up to set them up for success. I love that. I love involving the employees in the entire process because at the end of the day, the employees are the ones who are keeping your company running. It's not you. Exactly. And they're the ones who are actually going to be a part of the interview process. So if they're disengaged, if they're not a champion of your brand, you know, you have to think about them as marketing too. And so, and that's where it's okay to take the time to pause hiring and make sure everyone involved in the interview process is on the same page and knows what you're looking for. And you're not asking the same questions and you're being intentional because I know this phrase is being used a lot more now, but I mean, I'd like to think I coined it back in 2018, but it's okay. (laughs) We'll give you credit. Um, It's on one of my LinkedIn blogs, but, um, but the way that I view culture is I hate the term culture fit. You should never have to study for a culture interview, Amazon. (laughs) Anyone, diversity of thought, whatever it is, thinking about the community that you're serving, people should add to your workforce, your culture, so you can continue to innovate and grow and stay relevant for your clients. Think about how you're creating space for your employees to give you feedback. Think about, do you have a culture that values feedback? Because probably not a lot of folks, especially women and minorities, we're not really going to go to HR. We're worried about the repercussions. What if we, what if our manager is HR? Who do we go to? And so building ways where your employees can also give feedback anonymously Um, And you can always maintain a regular pulse of your culture. Everyone should have an employee net promoter score to see how their employees feel about the product, the direction of the company, and the confidence in their leadership. I see too many times managers or executives just make assumptions when really all you have to do is ask. It's amazing what asking a question can do. It's it's so easy. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so the salary question to just go back to candidates real quick, don't ever feel pressured to tell someone what you are currently making. I agree. I have a lot of really mixed feelings on the, on the whole salary topic in general. <laughs> yes. This is, but this is how I ask the question, just so you know, and then you can decide if this, you know, if I was interviewing you, how you would feel about this question. But I say, especially in startups, so, you know, if they're making a big pivot, you know, it's, I know it's hard. You don't want someone who's just going to clock in and out and not be engaged, but can be flexible, but you can work from home. Treat people like adults, everyone. Um, I ask, um, where would you need to be either at a minimum or at a range that would get you excited? I like that. I really like that. Yeah. And how women, and I ask that to everyone. How men and 
respond and how women respond to that question are polar opposite. And, you know, if anyone listening to this has experienced an interview (laughs) with me before, I've been known from time to time to argue with um, female candidates in particular if I don't like their answer. (laughs) I think that's good. It's it's like a, it's a tough love. And so we need to be like, people need to be told that. We have to have our own backs as women. And in my opinion, we are, we meaning women, we are pretty responsible for the gender pay gap. Think about it. HR is a pretty female dominated industry. Yeah. We have that power to decide compensation and worth. And unconsciously, a lot of times, sometimes it's consciously, the microaggressions that come up between women, men, it happens. Women can be really nasty to one another. But I've just seen hiring managers, HR managers, recruiters alike assume that a woman candidate is junior and offer less. And then when I push back and say, why? What's the justification? They have this, 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 and this. Oh, really? Oh, I just assumed. And so for me, I always push back. I always look at what the market rate is. I always want to know if we're competitive. And, and if we're not, I'll tell you we're not. A lot of times I'm used to having a really tight budget, but guess what, HR? It's okay. All you have to do is just be honest and say, we know our budget is under market, but to make up for it, we do have flexible working arrangements, this, this, and that, because really, especially if it's a nonprofit and mission-driven, one of my clients right now is Black Girls Code. If you are money motivated at Black Girls Code, <laughs> we are in. We are having the wrong conversation. Um, because that is something where I think that will come back to bite you at the end. We're in a new phase in this in this society in this world where we really need to really come together and be more united. So let's help each other help ourselves. And there's enough money, <laughs> enough business. Um, well, maybe not right now, but there's enough opportunity out there where, you know, if we just help each other help ourselves and provide that different perspective um, without it coming from a place of really insecurity or imposter syndrome, you know, I think that as women, we could really, really make a bigger difference a lot quicker too. So we met because we were both co-directors of Women Who Code in D.C., which is an amazing organization. It is so well attended. Like, D.C. is kind of a smaller city, especially for tech, I would say, but has, I think, the biggest Women Who Code chapter. And there are events almost every night with huge amounts of people on them. So that's like a huge shout out for Women Who Code in D.C., but also elsewhere. Um But you're also super involved with other organizations in the D.C. tech community, like Black Girls Code and Black Code Collective, I think, right? Black Girls Code's national. Okay. Sorry. Um, D.C. Femtech, I would say. D.C. Femtech, also another amazing one based in D.C. Awesome. Um, 
why is that involvement so important to you, especially considering um, your role in your company? Initially, I I was tasked in my last sort of in-house role um, that it was really important to have our engineering team in the office in D.C., especially early on in the process. Um, and so for me, I realized I needed to really understand the D.C. tech community if I was going to, A, um, recruit for a brand that no one knows about, (laughs) what the narrative, because I was used to working with large brands that they know. I mean, everyone wants to work for Discovery Channel and Shark Week. I mean, that was easy. But this was the, you know, the first time where I really had to be creative for almost all of the roles and really focus more on you know, the brand awareness piece, but really defining what the company culture was going to be like. And so I invested a lot in employer branding at first, but I realized, okay, I need like, I need to see what's in my backyard. I've been in, I've been a DC resident for over 15 years and let me, let's, let's start sponsoring some of these meetups first. Let's get them to see our office. It, it's cool, but it's not too cheesy because we're not here where we're just going to bribe you with perks. So that way you never leave. Like, no, we care. Um, I really just wanted to just have just more regular conversations that wasn't in an interview to really understand what engineers regardless of gender, we're looking for out of a new role. I really wanted to know what was important to them when assessing any new opportunity. And from there, it allowed me to speak on those things if I were in an interview, because it might be important to someone else. Um, But it also made me really aware of the blockers, both in the actual, just the general interviewing, hiring process, but also in the candidate pool. There were a lot of assumptions being made by candidates because maybe they had one or two really, or maybe five really bad experiences. And it maybe they just decided to not even try anymore because most recruiters didn't want to give feedback. And so they didn't know how to adjust. And giving feedback is pretty touchy, but I always say as long as your feedback is coming from a good place, you can't control how people choose to respond. But it was really important for me to make sure and really increase, you know, the impact that that community group could really have so that way they could get feedback from maybe um, a safer space. And I could leverage my expertise in this sort of uh, community. And then that would help the greater tech community by increasing the pipeline again, because we're going to get out of our way. And so I really, it really just started with me wanting to just learn the market and learn what I was up against. And really from there, be very intentional with how I recruited and how I hired. And I always try to be honest in the initial conversation. Um, if it's not a fit, I mean, for a long time, I mean, I think naturally I'm kind of, I try to avoid conflict um, and I never want to hurt anyone's feelings. But, you know, going back to if it's coming from a place of good and it will help, you know, even just closing the loop. But also I made it a point um, and it was something that we really had embedded in our culture where 
if you came in the interview and you spent time, you know, out of your day to interview and we didn't move forward, I'm going to give you a call and let you know. I'm not going to send you a blanket email. And so it's really just treating people how you want to be sort of treated. But I knew that there was so mm-hmm. much I didn't know. And you don't, and you don't know unless you ask. So that was, I started off as sort of hosting and then quickly the, um, manifesting generator in me saw a lot of opportunity to improve processes and improve impact more. Um, and so that was where I, you know, I think I, I help a lot. It's hard for me to really say no. And so over time, I really just kind of got sucked in and it's just, (laughs) There's so many groups now that I think we're working to try to consolidate a little bit, but it is just but the demand is there and the need is there. And um, it's it's just a really exciting. Uh, it's a really special community, D.C. And um, yeah, and I don't see myself leaving anytime soon, even though I do operate in New York, in the Bay Area and L.A. as well. But D.C., you know, D.C. is definitely special. And Allie I'm a little bummed that you left us. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's amazing. It's amazing how such a small city and a city that's not stereotyped as a tech city has so much going on. It's so impressive and very, very cool. Um, Definitely miss the tech community there, but also excited to spread my wings a little bit in New York City, too. Awesome. Well, like I said, kind of at the beginning of the episode, it would be amazing if our listeners were able to find you afterwards because you're doing some amazing things and it'd be so cool for them to both connect with you and also um, hire you because you have a lot of amazing services too. So where are the best places for people to find you online? So the best place that has pretty much all of my contact information and links to my social is my company website, www.hillstreetstrategies.com and s.com all one word all lowercase um and um if you do try to google me my name is spelled pretty interestingly it's h-i-l-l-i-a-r-y last name turnip seed like the vegetable (laughs) i love it amazing so we like to close out our episodes with shout outs so this could be anything that you uh, you've read recently a cool, a funny video, somebody who's recently inspired you. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll have you go first. What's your shout out? My shout out for everyone is if you haven't already, buy the book, The Memo, written by Minda Hart, H-A-R-T-S, The Memo. It's the first book of its kind written by a woman of color speaking about what it is like to be a woman of color in corporate America. It's sort of our response to lean in. Um, And it's a really quick read, um, but a shout out to Minda to really, you know, she's been doing incredible work and uplifting Black women voices and getting us a seat at that table. And that book um, is really written for all. So, um, so highly recommend that. We were briefly talking about this book before we started recording this podcast. And there's a small chance that we might include this in next season's book club because both Allie and I are super interested in reading it now. Yeah. 
I, large chance, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Ellie, oh, what you saying? Okay, mine is really random. And I keep just doing, like, quarantine shout-outs because we're stuck at home. I'm stuck at home. And um, so mine is this How to Drink YouTube channel. And they have a bunch of cocktail recipes. And they're very well-taught and fun and different. And I'm you know, trying different things, trying to learn new skills while I'm stuck at home. <laughs> so I love that. <laughs> Kelly, how about you? So mine, I know when this episode airs, it will be after our May Book Club episode, but I am actively reading Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell right now, and I am loving the book. It is super, super interesting. Um, just some really fascinating information in there. Um, again, by the time this launches, we will have a book club episode about it. I don't know what we're going to talk about yet. So I'm really excited. So awesome. Again, Hillary, thank you so much for joining us. Thank Um, you guys. This was so much fun. And thank you all for listening to basically my long-winded TED talk. (laughs) (laughs) That was amazing. I learned so much. (laughs) Absolutely. So everyone, be sure to check out the show notes for this episode uh, because we actually included some bonus resources from Hillary that you will not want to miss. If you like this episode, tweet about it. We'd love to read your feedback. And we have a special giveaway this time. Hillary is giving away a super awesome 30-minute career jam session to ask her anything you want to brainstorm, review your resume, or answer any burning questions you have. Thank you so much for offering this. I think this is going to be really, really great. This is is why I do what I do. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. We also have a Patreon now, so you can support us by visiting patreon.com slash ladybugpodcast. This month's book club book for our Ladybug Book Club is Make It Stick by Peter C. Brown. You can join in on the discussion by joining our Goodreads group, and you can learn more about our future book club books by uh, visiting our website at ladybug.dev. We post new podcasts every Monday, so make sure to subscribe to be notified and leave us a review.